Strike Force Energy, veteran-owned, American-made, and one of the hottest new energy products on the market. Strike Force Energy was developed by veterans for one simple reason. The fight will always follow you, and it waits for no one. Buck Sexton here for Strike Force, and I invite you this summer to join us in giving back to America's troops. Over the last three years, Strike Force Energy has shipped millions of packets to our troops, both at home and abroad, and now we're bringing this battlefield-proven liquid directly to your door. Strike Force Energy liquid packs available in four flavors have zero sugar, zero calories, and are made with only the finest ingredients. For the fuel to power through your toughest fight, simply add Strike Force to 16 to 20 ounces of water, tea, lemonade, yogurt, even an ice cold beer. Go to strikeforceenergy.com, enter discount code BUCK at checkout, and for every packet you buy, we will donate a packet to military members around the globe. Strikeforceenergy.com, discount code BUCK, because Strike Force Energy is the fuel for the fight. Entering the Freedom Hut. They keep pushing Trump to say that it was the Russians, and now they've got their wish. Trump is saying the Russians did meddle. Okay, okay. And you know what? The world didn't end after that press conference in Helsinki. It's all going to be okay. And liberals don't realize they have not achieved their political goals with it. We'll talk about that, plus the latest on this uh, Russian national arrested on the streets of D.C. What was she up to? And in San Francisco, illegals can vote in school elections. What's next after that? we got a lot more coming up on the Buck Sexton this Show. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission, mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. A privilege and a pleasure, as always, to have you with me in this uh, jolly place I call the Freedom Hut. Uh, the, we're, we're kind of in a, in a hangover period now with the news cycle from the complete apoplectic freakout hysteria of the uh, Helsinki Summit and its aftermath. And I, I would just take a moment all to say that Remember how I told you it's all going to be okay? It's all going to be okay. In fact, it might be better than okay. I have heard from some people here in D.C. who have sources that, let's just say, know some things about what the president may or not, may or may not be up to. And the person-to-person discussion that Putin and Trump had, which I know the left is, oh, my gosh, that's where the real collusion happens, and they, they get all crazy about it. But there were a lot of issues discussed in that uh, where there could be real progress. Uh, we could see some some real changes in U.S. policy that will be better. I also love this notion that there's like secret there, there can be massive policy changes. The president keeps a secret. It's like, well, that's not really how it works. You know, the anti-Trumpers in their their delirium of hating the Donald don't seem to understand that. If policy for it to be policy has to be implemented through people like President Trump isn't the one that runs around speaking to everybody and doing everything all the time that he has to delegate authority and that if it's just the president saying something, it it is not actually a policy. Somebody has to do it. Someone has to do something for him. There have to be people 
in the chain of command involved. So you can't you can't hide these things really, especially we're talking about you know ma- any kind of massive shift in uh, Russia policy when it comes to Ukraine or what we're you know what's going on with U.S. and and China, the U.S. China relationship. I would keep that uh, high on your radar going forward of things you might be hearing more about, uh, depending on you know how these talks with Putin go. Or how, rather, how the talks with Putin went. You know, we'll see. Because that doesn't doesn't that just make sense? I mean, we've been talking about Russia and what we need to do to have better relations with Russia. Well, we've got this trade issue with China. We have no real resolution to it. That's going to be the next place that I think you're going to see the president focusing his his attention, his energy. And you, know, you, you look at Russia, China, North Korea. These issues are all in geographically at least tied into each other. And so we, we will see. We'll see how the president. This is a president who wants to be judged by the successes of what he does in office, not by the precision of every word he uses. And, and look, you either are willing to say that you get what the president's trying to say, or you can run around like the hall monitor who's always tattling to the teacher about kids that are that are two minutes late to class about how the president said this, but it's really that. The president said this, and it's really not this. You know, okay. okay. I mean, look, sometimes he goes a little far, even for me. And I'm like, whoa, all right, we need a little, we need a little more care with words here. A little, a little bit of the imprecision can get to be too much. But overall, I know what Trump's trying to accomplish. I know what he's trying to do, and I like it. You know, I like it, uh, and I think that uh, you know, he, the good news is we finally passed this. Everybody was so upset about this thing. I mean, and and I, I'm I'm glad to see that. Uh, I'm glad to see that we can start to focus on some other things, including as I as I mentioned, the very top of the show today. I want to talk to you about what's going on in San Francisco now. You're going to see more and more of this. Where they're just going to say, yeah, you can basically vote for everything except for, uh, you know, except for president. I mean, they're going to try to just make it so that if you are an illegal in this country. The only difference between you and 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 citizens is, I don't know. <laughs> you know, they're gonna they, 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 technically you're not supposed to vote in federal elections, but you know, they're gonna try to find a way around that too. Trust me. One of the big takeaways I had from this week, uh, and and it's why I did my my little uh, for those of you who didn't see it, it's on Facebook, but my Buck Wild segment. Um, but one of the takeaways I had from this week was that. We have really gotten a vision or a, a, a an insight, a window into who is the deep state and, and what is their deal and how crazy are they? Um, you had, I mean, th- this situation with, for a former CIA director like John Brennan to become so political and to play this game where he'll go on TV and he'll say things and they go, oh, well. Do you know that for a fact? Like, oh, he's a CIA director. Let me tell you, CIA director spends a lot of time. Yeah, he's got a tremendous amount of access to classified and all that, but spends a lot of time just dealing with bureaucracy and politics. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's a conception that people will say, oh, John Brennan, a spy master or something. Eh, it's really a, it's a bureaucratic role to run any of these massive agencies. You spend a lot of time doing paperwork and going to meetings. And and I, I also and and this notion that that if somebody was a CIA director, they're now a subject matter expert in everything. It's not true. Okay, 
uh, trust me, you know, if you if you push enough with with Leon Panetta or Brennan or you name it, any any former CIA director, unless there's somebody that has worked the issue for a long time uh, before they were a director, they may not they may not exactly blow your socks off with how much they know about things that you would think somebody in that part of the world and geopolitics and everything else would know. But Brennan's nuts, from what I can tell. I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, but it's not just Brennan. You know, Brennan and Hayden, and there's all these different people out there that, I mean, I, I, I still sit there. I'm like, I can't believe I used to sit in meetings with Mike Hayden. And he seemed like such a normal dude. And this is what, what the media is going to, well, I'm going to tell you what they're going to fight on here in a moment. But, you know, what, what they really don't want people to figure out. I'll get to that. you got to stay with me for that for a second. But, you know, here's here's John Brennan after the whole Helsinki thing. Play one. What Mr. Trump did yesterday was to betray the women and men of the FBI, the CIA, NSA and others and to betray the American public. And that's why I use the term that this is nothing short of treasonous because it is a betrayal of the nation. He is giving aid and comfort to the enemy. No, he's not. He's really not. And that. Brennan has had some time to think about this and that he's doubling down on it is is very problematic. Uh, this is you start to wonder what is really going on with this guy. And and then, you know, the guy Trump responded to him. So well, here's what Trump has to say about it. Play three. Brennan's a very bad guy, and if you look at it, a lot of things happened under his watch. I think he's a very bad person. Uh, I also think that when you watch Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, when you watch all of the things that have happened, and Comey, take a look at that, and McCabe, who's got some pretty big problems, I assume. Uh, you look at the deception, the lies. They're being exposed for what they are, and it's a shame that it has to happen, but it's really hurt our country. I mean, does anybody really think at this point that that it's an honest position to suggest that McCabe, Comey, Brennan, Clapper, Yates, you know, all these different people, Strzok, all these people, the names come up. Does anyone really think that that there's it's just this just kind of happened? It's all some some sort of coincidence and that there wasn't obviously an effort from some senior government officials to betray their power in order to uh, to stop or remove Trump from office? And really, we're going to, you know, McCabe lying under oath about a bunch of things. He's in a whole bunch of trouble, folks. That's the That was the acting FBI director. Lying under oath? Seems quite strange, doesn't it? You never saw, and I brought this up today with some, some of the liberals that I talked to here in the Hill, and they go, oh, but it's different now. Yeah, it's always this time is different when we come to liberals, right? Whenever, whenever they're setting a precedent that you know is going to come back to bite them, oh, I don't know, like, Getting rid of, you know, deciding to go with the nuclear option in the Senate. We're like, guys, you're saying, oh, it's different now. I mean, it's because Obama, we need to get people through. It's, uh, you know, it's always, always short-term thinking from the liberals on that stuff. Or always self-justifying thinking from liberals. Uh, but, but I said, you know, you, you, you have such a bad precedent in place here when you have the former intel directors. Now everyone's going to think that they're political players. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. But when each administration comes in now, they're going to think, is my guy or gal, but we'll say guy interchangeably, okay? Is my guy at the CIA? Is my guy the attorney general? You know, is my guy? This is the way the administrations, you couldn't see what's going on here with these old Obama-era holdovers and be a Republican coming into office, you know, not Trump in the future, and think to yourself, well, 
First thing that's got to go is everybody that a left-wing Democrat president appointed into high office. That's the first thing that's got to go. And, you know, I, I, I think that, that Brennan has now shown us what we the same thing we've learned about journalists, which is that when you give them an opportunity to share their opinions, when, when you get a chance to learn the truth about what they think, you see that there are left-wing zealots, which is true of journalists now, too. With Brennan, the guy's another left-wing zealot. But he's very close with Obama, very tight with you know he was Obama's like senior counterterrorism advisor or something. Very very tight with him. And Rand Paul, who by the way, Rand Paul gets high five, gold star, you know, I was gonna say bouquet of flowers, whatever. I don't know, you know, a beer, a pint, you know, you name it. Okay, Rand Paul kicked butt this week. He was the only guy on the Republican side who's willing to say, all right, you know what? You know what, everybody? Let's just give this a little bit of context. Let's not just completely, you know, break all the break all the glass and grab the fire alarms and everything else. Let's not do that. I guess you pull a fire alarm, you don't grab it, but same idea. And he went after Brennan, too. Play two. You know, John Brennan started out his adulthood by voting for the Communist Party presidential candidate. He's now ending his career by showing himself to be the most biased, bigoted, uh, over-the-top, hyperbolic, sort of unhinged uh, director of the CIA we've ever had. And really, it's an insult to everything about our government to have a former head of the CIA calling the president treasonous just because he doesn't like him. But realize that Brennan, you know, I filibustered Brennan. I, I tried to keep Brennan from ever being the leader of the CIA. But realize that Brennan and Clapper uh, are known for wanting to expand the authority of the intelligence agencies to grab up everyone's information, including Americans. And so I don't have a lot of respect for these people. Even before they decided to go on hating the president, I disliked these people because they wanted to grab up so much power and use it against the American people. I mean, thank heavens for Rand Paul. A lot of other Republicans just running for the exits, just trying to lay low, just hoping that, you know, they wouldn't get call the task to talk about what the president's been going through and everything else, but no other president has had this, okay? You know, Obama's always whining, I was given the worst economy, oh, the, the Bush economy was so bad, blah, blah, and, you know, as I said, that was a, a cyclical crash that was decades in the making, and Bush didn't see it coming, but to blame the financial downturn on Bush is to just be ignorant of all the forces that were at work leading up to it, okay? There was a lot of stuff that led up to that, but Look, I know presidents, you're in office, you get blamed. But Obama was, oh, you know, Bush and the Bush economy, he spent a trillion dollars, did a terrible job getting us out of the recession, made it slower and more painful than it had to be. Trump comes into office and he's got the Obama bureaucratic apparatus trying to stop him from ex- uh, exercising his executive authority, trying to bring criminal charges against him, his family, his advisors, his cabinet. I mean, this is unprecedented. And when you start to think about it that way, you go, it's amazing. I'm someday, I'm going to tell you this. Some days I'm amazed Trump isn't just like, you know what? I'm out. Have fun, America. I resign. Go go do your thing. I'm going to go play golf. I'm a billionaire. I've had enough. He doesn't need this. You know, I, I, the media is, oh, they're so freaked out about it all the time. I think to myself, we're lucky we've got a guy who has other options. You know what I mean? Who's not just... You know, you don't have somebody like Hillary Clinton who has some psychotic fixation on becoming president, right? I mean, guys like, all right. Think of what he's been through with this. Former FBI director, former CIA director, you know, Comey with his little, you know, sixth grade girl love notes to himself. I mean, the whole thing. 
This is bizarre. It's it's so embarrassing for our government. And I hate when Brennan and these other guys do this whole thing, oh, the men and women of the FBI, the men and women of the CIA, please, okay? We all understand what's going on here. Yeah, 99% of these bureaucracies are people that just show up and do their job and they don't care about this stuff. But the 1% that decides to get political can change elections, can change American history. And they're leftists and they're zealots and it's a problem. I'm just, I have not yet begun to fight today, my friends. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. I will be right back. Let me tell you, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. What the heck was that supposed to mean, by the way? What was that, Mike? That was from about a year ago, right? That was Schumer back in the day? There you go. Pretty much the most prominent Democrat senator in the country. Straight up threatening the president by saying that, you know, yeah, the intel community, they're going to get you. Now, why isn't he crazy for saying that? If we're crazy for thinking that the intel community would, would ever do this to Trump, right? So we're crazy to think that, but he'll say that, and that's okay. I don't understand. These things can't both exist, right? It can't be, oh, the, the intel community is going to get back at Trump. We know that they, they jammed up Flynn. It's so obvious. It's so clear. They used the Logan Act as a pretext. I mean, this is just the worst of the worst. And it is police state stuff. It's true. And, and now, you know, you've had this other, oh, it's, it's like Charlottesville all over again. You've had another a press conference that the media completely went crazy on Trump for it. And yet when the dust clears, everybody gets to look around and say, okay, what exactly was so, Pearl Harbor? 9-11? You know, one of the things I think the media doesn't understand is when they say that Russian meddling is equivalent to Pearl Harbor where we lost thousands of Americans and it also started a, a war that cost millions and millions of lives. Uh, but when they say it's like Pearl Harbor, we sit there and think, oh, you see, the reason this doesn't sound so crazy to them, and, and, and this didn't really, I had to think about this a bit this week. The reason, because obviously on, on any rational basis, they know that that's a crazy and stupid and, and infantile thing to say. But to them, because you look at it, you, you line this up, you go, what do you mean? Nothing happened. Right. But to them, and this is where you have to you have to put your mind to understand where they're coming from. Trump's election is that it's not the Russian meddling that's as bad as 9-11. It's not, and not the Russian meddling that's as bad as Pearl Harbor. That's all. Uh-uh. Trump beating Hillary for them is as bad as 9-11. Trump beating Hillary is as bad as Pearl Harbor. And then you see, okay, so that's really what this is. That's what this is all about. It's still crazy, but that's what they're really saying, right? Because otherwise you think to yourself, no one's that dumb. I mean, no one really is running around saying this is, this is like crystal knocked, which is just a few steps away from, you know, talking about some other stuff that happened during World War II, which would be, but we got Hayden saying that what's going on at the border that Trump is doing is... Folks, it's just, it's tough. It is tough to keep up with the Democrat crazy these days. It really is. Keep- 
he's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Frankly, uh, the outrageousness and the just desire to find the negative in everything that this president does just because somebody was simply redheaded, they were accused of being uh, some sort of spy for Russia. I think that this has gotten totally out of control. You guys need to take a little bit of a step back, slow down and quit going after the Trump administration on every single thing that takes place. Yep, Sarah Sanders is right. They they really do need. They just need to stop. You know, it was amazing. I watched that press conference, and and there were so many, which I rarely do, right? Because you get all these people, all these journalists who this is look. I get it. This is their moment to get on TV and be a hero to Rachel Maddow and Lawrence O'Donnell and the CNN anti-Trumpers and all the rest of it. I I get it. You know, media is a tough job. All that stuff. You know, it's tough, really, just in terms of you're always being told you you're the worst and you're replaceable and no one cares. So. You can imagine that over time, the psyche of people that in, the, in this business becomes quite fragile and takes quite a beating. You get a lot of very thin-skinned people, even people who have managed to become very successful, still very thin-skinned, uh, particularly at CNN. And, uh, you know, you have Huckabee Sanders up there, and, and they're asking her questions like, at one point, one of the reporters said, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically, is voter suppression what the president's going for here? That that is a so when did you stop beating your wife question? I mean that's what that is, you know is is voter suppression? Why don't they just start asking? You know is the president racist? Just ask that at, at a White House press conference. Is the president racist? I just want to know. Can can we just get Sarah Sanders? Can we get you on the record? Is the president racist? And those same journalists that think that's a question that the American people need to have an answer to, uh, they wonder why we're like we don't trust you, we don't want to hear it, and uh, your phonies and your frauds. They they're like why do you why don't you trust us anymore? There are reasons. There are reasons why we do not trust them anymore. Uh, plenty of them, actually. So uh, I just see this and I, I think to myself, you know, at what point is enough enough? Uh, at what point can we just finally stop this pretense of acting like these different news outlets that pretend to be nonpartisan? It's all a joke. You see, here's what they do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to break this down for a moment. I think this is important. Uh, CNN is among the worst offenders. It's not the only one, though. NPR, for example, another one, right? But CNN is the one that comes to mind the most. And what they do, as I call it, is they launder liberalism. So they provide this journalist ecosystem where it's not, they're nonpartisan, they say. They are just bringing you the facts and telling you the stories that you need to know. And the reason they hold on to that is because their audience, which is Democrats, want to believe that they're not being told something that is a curated narrative. They're not being told a version of the events of the day with a perspective, with an editorial line. No, no, no. They're just being told objective truth all the time. They're just being told the truth and nothing but the truth. But really what they're getting is a steady diet of liberalism where the liberal point of view always wins, is always right. And, you know, it's, it's no different than, you know, why did, why did people watch the West Wing during the Bush administration? Because it was, you know, somehow the Democrats always won. You know, the Democrats always had the pithier comeback. The Democrats were always the good guys, pretty much. Our news media does the same thing for people. And that's, and with CNN in particular, that's where you see there's all this sensitivity now about the fake news and all the rest of it. Because, yeah, everybody has to report facts, otherwise nobody will listen to you. 
I mean, if you get the facts wrong, I don't care who you are. If you get facts wrong, you got egg on your face. So this notion that it's just about the facts, you know, the apple versus banana thing. That's all pretentious garbage. MSNBC is liberal, though I don't think they, you know, they, they, we all know, but they maybe probably still say, oh, no, we're just journalists at some level. CNN, though, really believes that they are just journalists, that they do not present a Democrat point of view on all these different issues and that they do not favor Democrats. Meanwhile, I consider and tell you, I'm like, hmm. So the uh, chief of CNN politics, that's a guy who said that he thought that Romney would throw a party while black people drown on an open mic when he worked at Yahoo. Yeah, that's right. And then they re- then they put, gave him a big job with a big paycheck at CNN to run their political coverage. After he's after he got caught on a mic saying that, I, I, do we think he's a Democrat? Hmm. David Axelrod has his own show now on CNN. The Axe Files. Van Jones has his own show on CNN. Show me a a Republican administration official still in good standing with the GOP who has a show there. Wow, I, I, that's so weird that that's. That that doesn't happen there, you know. Just we're not all idiots, I mean, but but they really they're they're so snide and so condescending that they expect us to just eat the, eat this crap that they're shoveling in front of us all the time, and that's what they're doing. And then now we finally see them for who they are. We see. By the way, Acosta actually asked a kind of real question today. My thing is, I'm I'm disappointed now, producer Mike. When Acosta asks a real question as a journalist, every time it's time for Acosta, I'm like, here we go. Come on, Acosta. Don't let me down, buddy. I wanted to be like, Mr. President, why do you hate immigrants? And and why do I love immigrants so much? Because I'm Jim Acosta. This is my Twitter handle, and I want everybody to know who I am. Like, when he doesn't do that now, I get a little bummed out. When he's like, you know, actually, I'm wondering, what's what's the what's the uh, policy going forward in dealing with NATO and, you know, the, the, uh, the funding issues, sir? When he asks a real question, I'm like, whoa, Acosta, let me down, buddy. You know? Says a lot about his reputation right now. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't sign up for this. I want crazy Acosta. I want him up there acting like a jackass, yelling stuff at the president, grandstanding, giving monologues disguised as questions. I mean, sometimes he does actual journalism, and I get sad. I'm going to tell you. It makes me, makes me sad on the inside. Oh, but so you had one woman ask tonight at the press One female journalist asked at the press conference, is voter suppression, which is... You know, this is like saying, is the president a racist, right? Is voter suppression what the president wants? That's a question asked the White House. And uh, on the other one, I'm trying to, oh, yeah, another woman, I forget what outlet she's from. She's just like, why should the president have credibility on anything? What is she, that's not a question, really, right? That's not a real question. You're not going to get an answer. Oh, what's Sarah Sanders going to say? You know what? You're right. Hallie Jackson, where is she from? Like what outlet? Do we know? I don't know. Yeah, my producer Mike will find out. We don't do we we don't have that clip, do we? Her get uh, oh we do? Mike's gonna get it free. Mike Mike is always on the fly here, you know. Mike is in kind of the sniper overwatch position. Of course she's MSNB. Of course. So I'm going spreading freedom, kicking in, you know, going door to door, kicking them in, spreading freedom. And, but Mike is kind of like in Overwatch with the sniper rifle, so he can p- pull clips as we go and facts and everything else, you know. And if uh, if the bad guys try to sneak up behind me, Mike can take him out. So that's how that's how we do this there. And Brandon, he's he's kind of Brandon's doing the fob thing, you know. He's he calls in the artillery for me from afar. He, he does. We don't. Brandon doesn't like to get too close to the action. He stays where the good coffee is. 
It's all right, Brandon. I know. I know how it goes. That's that's fair enough. So anyway, um, we uh, where were we? Oh, I was talking about the press conference, Sarah Sarah Sanders, and and just what she has to deal with. I know she's probably going to be done by the end of the year, and she's had enough, which makes perfect sense to me. I I, I can't I can't imagine how she stayed with it as long as she has. Um. But you know they 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 pushed her also on whether whether Trump was saying no to whether Russia is still a threat here. Play twenty three. Got a chance to speak with the president after uh, his comments, and the president was said thank you very much and was saying no to answering questions. Um, the president and his administration are working very hard to make sure that right, Russia is unable to meddle in our elections. You know, this is what I get so annoyed about now, because they've they've made up this whole story, this whole thing about, you know, the Russians and how much they influence our election. And, you know, I've actually read Witness by Whitaker Chambers. So I know that the Soviets, right, before the Russians, but the Soviets were very involved in uh, agents of influence, stealing secrets, uh, working with journalists. Oh, yeah, that's right. Working in the American intellectual class. If you really want to get a sense of, some of the uh, the penetrations of of communism and how it worked. You could read uh, the God that failed. It's written by. It's really a compendium or a compilation of. I think it's seven former communists that all wrote about how they realized communism was just terrible and, and inhumane and the worst. But they were communists. They're all intellectuals, all writers. Um, and you know Richard Wright, who's an African American uh, author, well known, uh, is one of them, and he he writes in in the God that failed. Honestly, I think you can get it for free. Uh, you can download it like as a PDF file. You can read the not that I don't support people buying books for the authors, but anyway, you you can download it and see for yourself. But the communists, the Soviets, they were doing stuff to influence our elections forever. Uh, they've been trying to do this for a very long time. And yes, it is true. We also do a lot of things to influence elections in all kinds of ways. People get so mad. They say, oh, Putin kicked out these NGOs. Yeah, well, these these NGOs and these uh, human rights organizations that are U.S.-based that were operating in Russia, guess what? They were not pro-Putin. And that's an American work. Now, you could say, well, we're right. And yeah, we are. But guess what? That's still involving yourselves in somebody else's stuff. So... That's that's one component that I think is interesting, but but also th- this notion of um, how do we, you know, that that this is all about finding out how to stop the next attack or how to stop the attacks that are ongoing right now, and and they push Trump on whether we are under attack, and I just want to know what are the parameters now of being quote under attack if there are five Russians operating uh, as as cutouts for some FSB guy who just wants to mess up America. Are we under attack? Where do, you know, I, I had uh, Representative Cohen from Tennessee on, on Rising Earlier the Week, and I said, you know, what do you think we should do about this? He said we should shut down Russia's banking system, a massive cyber attack to cripple Russian. In- I mean, he's just, he's bonkers. I don't know. I, I couldn't believe it. But, Mike, what do you got? You look at you're about to tell me something. Oh no! Mike's we have that phone. Hallie Jackson clip ready. If you oh oh, we got it. Speaking of bonkers, we got we got the Hallie Jackson clip. All right, play it. 
I'm interpreting what the president said. I'm not reversing it. I was in the room as well, and I didn't take it the way you did. But why should this president have any credibility to Americans in what he says if, in fact, 24 hours later, or in this case, three hours later, the White House comes out and says, just kidding? What do you think would have happened if at a press conference a reporter stood up and said, so on the most important policy issue of the entire eight years of the Obama administration, Obamacare, and on one of the most important issues of that policy issue, can you keep your plan? Can you keep your doctor? President Obama knowingly and willfully and strategically lied and lied and lied and lied. What do you think would have happened if somebody stood up at a White House press conference and said, excuse me, so with that backstory, is President Obama a liar? Was that question ever asked? Oh, I know we could probably get, you know, someone from ABC or CNN. And we'll get those. Oh, well, we asked about that. We, we pushed their Yeah, they, they push in the most polite and deferential. Oh, you know, did the president, did the president not be 100 percent square for like a moment in time with the American people? Just a little bit. I mean, just a little maybe misled them a little tiny, little tiny bit. They could have said, is the president when this is under Obama, is the president a liar? I I guess they would say, well, he only lied that one time. And I would say, but that's a really important lie, isn't it? That's a lie that every single American listening to this right now has to live with. And that affects you, by the way. It affects you. That affects the entire healthcare system. That affects affects the entirety of the Obamacare law. That was big. That was big. Did you ever hear a journalist say that President Obama was a liar? Not even that he, never mind even telling a lie that he was a liar. I do not recall that. And I just, you know, all these so-called guardians of truth right now in the West Wing and elsewhere, how can anyone take President Trump's word seriously? What's the huge lie that, what, the crowd size of the inauguration? What's the lie that they, oh, that he he didn't use a contraction when he said he did because he's walking something back? Who cares? It does not. It fundamentally does not matter to you. And people say, oh, Buck, no, well, there's nothing matters now. This is the thing you'll see people say. No, no, important things matter. What matters matters. But now they want to be the guardians of truth. Now they want to talk about all the time how the president is a liar. And I just sit here and say to myself, why wasn't Obama a liar exactly? He knew what he was doing. He did that. And that really, that, a lot of people, you know, lost their doctors, lost their health care plans because of that. And a lot of people would have voted and would have pushed against it if they had known the truth. So that's a big lie, right? If I lie to you and tell you that I had chocolate ice cream last night when in, when in fact I had very frou-frou-y uh, Nutella ice cream, that's not an important lie. You do not care. You're like, Buck, why are you telling me this? But if I told you that um, I was going to pay you back you know, a loan of $5,000 within a month, and then I take that money out of Scotland and leave the country, I have no interest in ever paying you back ever again. I think that lie matters to you, right? We're not children. We understand the difference between these things. But the press pretends like they don't. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. We've got much more. We'll be right back. It looks like it's four-ish. It could be higher. I'd be thrilled if it was three plus, because that was our baseline. Everybody yelled at me uh, during the campaign, after the campaign, 
when I came into this office, oh, you'll never get three, you'll never get three, including many dear friends of mine in the Democratic Party, who I respect enormously. We are getting three, and it may be four for a quarter or two. It may be plus. Uh, I don't know, but that's all to the good. The best way I can help the country is get the economy strong and prosperous. You know, I mean, you've got millennials out there. I'm just going to depart for one second. No. You've got kids, millennials, etc., uh, some of whom are working in the, in the White House, who have never seen a full-fledged, long-lasting prosperity. Honestly. And they, they don't know what I'm talking about. They must think it's about to roll over at every minute? Every minute. I mean, they just won't believe it. It's not that they're cynics. They've just never seen it. We haven't had one in 20 years. You know, did you ever hear stuff like that really from the Obama administration? The Obama that, that was Larry Kudlow, right? The economic advisor for the president. And, and the Obama administration was always telling you, basically, lower your expectations when it comes to the economy. You know, get used to less. Do more with less. And spread around what you got more to other people. That was really the attitude. And I've got to tell you, we do now have this sense that, you know, the, the, the government, it's just a matter of time before they're going to mess things up big time. We're going to have some huge correction, some huge crash. You know, they're clowns in charge. No one knows what they're doing. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Kudlow was talking there about GDP growth. And he's saying, you know, we, we could be at uh, at 4% this year for a quarter or two. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Doing very well. And we're doing very well. Well, uh, probably as well as anybody has ever done with Russia. And there's been no president ever as tough as I have been on Russia. All you have to do is look at the numbers, look at what we've done, look at sanctions, look at ambassadors uh, not there, look, unfortunately, at what happened in Syria recently. Uh, And I think President Putin knows that better than anybody, certainly a lot better than the media. He understands it, and he's not happy about it. And he shouldn't be happy about it because there's never been a president as tough on Russia as I have been. Russia still targeting the U.S. Is Russia still targeting the U.S., Mr. President? Thank Correct. You very Let's much. go. Make your way out. No, no, no. Let's go. We're finished. So you know, then now, Mike, this is where they're saying that he said no for questions, right? But they're saying no, Russia's not targeting the U.S. Isn't this the dispute that's currently? And, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders was saying. That he said no more questions, and they're saying he said no, Russia's not targeting the U.S., right? That's where this is? Correct. They, are, they erupted when uh, they thought he said no. You know, oh, gosh. I know that a lot of journalists have, have never had other jobs, and so they, they don't have any, anything to compare things to, and I, I think that's one of the problems. Look, I have a particular point of view on this because I wasn't a journalist before I got involved in media. I'm not a journalist now. I don't pretend to be. I don't like that word even, really. Ooh, journalist. Uh, but, you know, Russia, think about that question. Is Russia targeting the U.S. now? The answer is always yes. How could Russia not be targeting? I mean, you know, why even ask the question, right? In, unless you're, you're just hoping to incite something. 
Russia targets us for espionage. Russia targets us with nuclear weapons, or at least can, right? I mean, when you look at what's going on, and when you look at Russian provocations and security interests and everything else, yeah, they're they're always going to be targeting us. And then beyond that, how could the president even really know? Does does anyone think that our secure that our security services, you know, the NSA and FBI and all these other organizations are so adept that they're aware of every effort for a Russian to recruit an American to use Americans uh, for the purposes of policy influence? Of course not. They're missing stuff all the time. And maybe this is where, you know, you got to kind of take a step back. And I like to remind people that. Spy spy espionage is a reality of the modern world we live in economic espionage national security espionage countries are trying to steal stuff from each other all the time sometimes countries are trying to get just access to high-level decision makers sometimes countries are trying to push a certain policy sometimes they want access to a company's proprietary information right people different nations and maybe this is like a a, a it's a beneath the surface constant spy war that's going on all over the world all the time and the cyber war when you add that to it there's no end to this stuff all right that's why i laugh at people like oh look at russia the intrusion into our election where have you heard this before oh that's right here on this show that we are going to wake up in years to come i don't know how long it's going to be before we figure this out but our technological and particularly our military advantage derived from technology is we're going to wake up and it's going to be almost gone, if not gone entirely. And we will realize that it was largely through theft. Theft by very sophisticated Chinese espionage efforts of all kinds. But particularly in the cyber realm. And, you know, think about what is, what's, the most, what's the most valuable economic stuff that we have in this country yeah okay oil we got a lot of oil now and fracking and everything else but you know if you look at the companies that are effectively printing presses for money right now it's all it's all uh intellectual property and technology it's all ip and tech and if other countries can steal that and use that for their own purposes enhance their own productivity use that to develop their you know use that for their own r&d to try to get ahead of us why are we going to be the world's preeminent superpower always and forever i mean someone would need to explain that to me if other countries can just steal the stuff that our system in as we have it right now is producing because of the incentives for individuals and for companies to to do the research and to spend the money and to spend the time why not just steal it and they do china's doing it to us all the time other countries are doing it as well here's another thing that no one ever really talks about there are some countries out there that are very aggressive in their theft of intellectual property and and they're just let's just say their theft of secrets that would I think surprise some folks. There are countries out there that you'd be like, "Oh, well they're 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 on the good guy side, right?" Well, in some ways, not in all ways. But we all have to have a maniacal focus on Russia, Russia, Russia. It's always Russia all the time. I played that montage for you last night of the various Democrats who were saying, Russia, come on. No big deal. Come on. It was just a few years ago. 
Uh, and now that that, that uh, you've got Trump being asked, you know, if Russia is still targeting America, the answer to that question is, of course, yes. And it's not going to be no anytime in the foreseeable future. And people were saying, how are we going to secure? How can we stop Russian meddling? I don't know, folks. How do you stop people from setting up some Facebook accounts and spreading information that the Democrats don't like? If there was a way to, you know, phishing is like the Internet equivalent of taking somebody's wallet out of their back back pocket. Can any president say that they'll never they'll never again be somebody will get their wallet stolen on the subway? No, it's going to happen. People are going to get stuff stolen from them and phishing scams. Send an email. Click on this. Now I have access to your computer. I mean, maybe there's some tech fix to it that I'm not aware of, but we certainly haven't figured it out yet. They, they, they've really convinced themselves in, in this moment of total hysteria. They've convinced themselves that we are under some kind of massive. We are under we're, we're in a war where nothing happens, but it's still a war. How is it a war? Where is it? They don't want to get into the deal. They just know we're at war. We're at war with Russia, but they haven't done anything. It's it's pretty frightening when you think about it in that context. But that's what's happening. And that's why I have congressmen sitting down across from me telling me to do things that are war. You know, what do you think our response would be if some company shut down our banking system for, you know, for as long as they could and shut down our power grid? Do you think we'd say, hey, turn the lights back on? We'd have big problems. Very big problems. Uh, and that's what people are saying we should do to Russia. So it's really just crazy. But on this notion of whether they're targeting us, and I saw the press got all... Because, you see, what it really is is they want to keep this story. They want to drag this story through the whole week. Oh, Helsinki and uh, Russia and Trump and Putin. And, oh, they, just, they, they love this. I don't think they're going to love it when the midterm results come back because this is not a winning message, right? A, a machinist in Wisconsin, your run-of-the-mill guy who's trying to pay his bills is like, well, I got a tax cut, and Trump doesn't tell, you know, tell me that I have to tell my five-year-old that there are 37 genders, and you know, he seems to love America and the troops. I, I think I'm going to ride this Trump thing out. I don't think he's going to say, oh, my gosh, the Putin-Helsinki meeting. What am I going to do? No. I don't think that's the case. I think if you're a journalist and you've seen your ability to dictate the narrative and write whatever you want about whatever you want and feel like you have tremendous power, in fact, more power than politicians in many ways, and that's going away and someone's calling you out at it, yeah, then you're panicked. You think this is DEFCON 1, but it's just selfishness. So on, on the on the targeting of us, right? This is what we really. Oh, by the way, uh, I really like. She's going to sound like somebody else that you know on this notion of actions versus words. Uh, but this is what uh, our friend Molly Hemingway over at Fox had to say about this. Play twenty. I don't quite know what people want. Like, he actually is pretty tough on Russia. And in the last couple of years, we've seen an increase in the military budget. We've seen an increase in the intelligence budget. We're doing NATO exercises in the Baltics. We've provided lethal aid to Ukraine and Georgia. We're developing low-yield nuclear weapons. He implemented sanctions that were even stronger than were required by congressional mandate. So if you care about actual actions, I think there's a lot to be happy about in terms of a tough posture toward Russia. People are obsessed about words, and they should maybe focus on the actions as well what did i tell you yesterday democrats have so inverted reality that words speak louder than actions now for them that's that's now a new maxim the democrat party on russia policy it's all words action doesn't matter it's all words this is this is the funhouse mirror existence that they have on this but by the way speaking of that uh jim mcgovern 
was on the House floor during a debate on carbon tax. And this is how that went. Play 21. I'm looking at a New York Times article that just appeared today where the president of the United States, Donald Trump, says Russia is no longer targeting the U.S. I mean, is this for real? What is wrong with him? It's time for you to stage an intervention with him and tell him to listen to his intelligence agencies who contradict what he has just said this morning. This is urgent. We can't count on the president of the United States to do the right thing. This is urgent. That guy has a, a clinical case of Trump derangement syndrome. Now, I am diagnosing him right now. I, I am. He, he has Trump derangement syndrome, and it's bad. He's got a bad case of it. This guy's supposed to be talking about car, debating carbon tax. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's just artificially restrain the economy and make people poorer because some of us believe in this fantasy, this myth that the world is all the world is going to end, which they do believe because of CO2 in the air, which is a naturally occurring gas, which is expelled by plants by rather taken in by plants. They expel oxygen. Sorry. Sorry. Buck the science guy. But they take in CO2. Not that big a deal. It's it's all it's all going to I'm here to tell you. You know, I feel like I'm one of the calming influences on the radio waves. He's I'm here to tell you, it's all, it's all going to be all right. I mean, as long as we don't let the liberals take over, then it's not all going to be all right. But everything else we're dealing with, it's fine. We can handle all these problems. Jim McGovern on, this, on the House floor completely losing his mind will we'll, we'll be okay. Despite the fact that this guy is clearly, at some level, I mean, Trump has unhinged him. He is now unmoored from reality because of what's going on here. On this targeting, you know, I, I want to talk about this uh, This Maria Butina, who has now been arrested, and they're making this big deal of it, this uh, this Russian. You know, she's a redhead. I mean, Mike, I'm going to say it right now. I'm more of an Anna Chapman guy myself. I'm just, I mean, if, if we're really talking about Russian agents in the U.S., Anna's still number one in my book. But, you know, Maria Butina, she's out there right now. And or not anymore because she's in prison. They're holding her, but they're making a big deal of this case, just like they make a big deal of like meetings in the Seychelles with Eric Prince or something. You know, there's all this. I mean, the conspiracies are just every, and they never go anywhere. They never go, and they don't care. They never go anywhere. You know, uh, I, I I remember how many months ago was it when Trump had? They were saying Trump had dementia. Basically, Trump was mentally incompetent, meaning that he actually had a he had like a mental illness or dementia or something. You know, they, remember they had doctors going on TV diagnosing him. Yeah, it was a month. Somebody said it today, I think. Oh, my gosh. Really? It's resurfaced. Oh, my gosh. But I mean, it's it's they go they go without batting an eyelid. They go from Trump is mentally unfit for office. He has dementia or Alzheimer's or something to Trump is a Machiavellian international espionage conspiracy super ninja. And they want us to take both of those theories seriously. The, the people who say both of those things, one after the other, don't expect us to judge the wrongness of their previous statements. You know, at some point you have to say to yourself, maybe the problem is the people that think that Trump shouldn't be president anymore. Maybe Trump's not actually the problem. Uh, but Mar- Maria Butina... I think she's got a better, it was more Russian name than that, right? That's like her Americanized name, I think. I'm just putting that out there. I don't know. Uh, Maria Butina, some, there's some stuff about her. 
they're, they're, the prosecutors are saying some spicy things. So she's supposed to be the big, this is now with her, oh, look at what she did. I'll walk you through some of what she did. We had Andy McCarthy on yesterday talk about it. He's like, yeah, it doesn't look like she's in that much trouble right now. I don't think she is. We'll walk you through some of what she did. And then we'll talk about San Francisco and how they're letting illegals vote for school, for school stuff, not for, although they, they I'm telling you, they want to let them vote for everything. The Democrats are going to try to find a way to make it, you know, illegals can vote. They, they want it. You know they want to do it. So it's just a question of having the power or having the loophole or finding finding some way to it. Uh, 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. Team, I will be right back. There's so many things I love about Simply Safe. One of them is that these guys are all about the details, okay? Simply Safe created their own glass break test facility because a lot of other alarm systems give you false positives. Think about that, right? You have the anxiety, you have that moment of panic because you think someone's breaking into your home when actually it's nothing to do with that. You know, something fell off a shelf or something. Simply Safe has set it up so that you only have to really worry about things you have to worry about. That's how good their security system is, okay? This is a level of detail that Simply Safe puts into everything that they do. And the whole system is designed so you'll never notice it. It fits in your home. It's very sleek. It's very tech and stylish looking. You'll love it. It's what I have at home. It's the best system you can get right now. Protect your home today. Visit simplysafe.com slash buck. That's simplysafe.com slash buck. Check it out for yourself, team. Simply Safe with an I, simplysafe.com slash buck. The red light is flashing, as the director of national security, Dan Coats, put it, much as it was before 9-11. We are in a 9-11 national emergency because our country is under attack. Literally, that attack is ongoing and pervasive. This 9-11 moment demands that we do come together, issue a subpoena, not only for the translator and the notes, but also for the national security team. Yeah, there you get to Senator Blumenthal. 9-11-style national emergency. So wait, I'm confused. Was it a 9-11 thing during the election? Are we in a 9-11 every day now because Russia might be running some fake Facebook ads? That seems rational. That seems reasonable, right? Ah, gosh. Are we in a 9-11 emergency because Maria Butina went around and, and quote, um... Suspected secret agent used sex in covert plan, prosecutors say. I know, producer Mike, it gets steamy. We might have to put the earmuffs on you for this one. This Russian, she's ready to keep people warm during those cold Russian winters. I'm just saying, dude. Here's how it went. According to New York Times here, a Russian woman charged with secretly acting on Moscow's behalf was working as a covert agent in the United States and was recently in contact with a suspected Russian intelligence official as part of a years-long conspiracy. They described a life, a double life, in which the woman, Maria Butina, studied at American University and dated a Republican operative from South Dakota, but secretly stayed in contact with a high-ranking official in Moscow and took part in the romance simply as part of the job. And I gotta say, that's kind of rough, right? If you're that Republican... You're like, I thought Marie and I had something special. You know, I thought the Russian lady. Yeah. And then there's this. 
Quote, she offered sex to another American in exchange for a position within a special interest organization. Now, based on everything I've seen so far. Uh, oh, by the way, they have been likening her to Anna Chapman, according to some of these articles. Yeah, it's not, not surprising. Uh Based on everything I've seen so far, she basically showed up at events in D.C., made friends with people, sometimes maybe too a little too friendly, and wanted to get close to people so she could push a more pro-Russia line to them. Now, this may be terrifying to some people, but I will have you know that Russia Today was a cable news channel that was on the airwaves in this country for like a decade. I knew people who had worked for it. They hired Americans. They hired some attractive American ladies, too, to work on the show and push Russian propaganda on your TV set. But because that was journalism and the media, it was all like, eh. But you don't have people, oh, my gosh, Russia today. What are we going to do? They're pushing a pro. It's just they're they're reaching it. And when you're hysterical all the time, I mean, this is like this is like people that really have some kind of fixation and they can't get around they can't get past it. it's like they're scared of spiders and now they see spiders everywhere you know even when there aren't any spiders because the, the, they're having some some real issues like trump derangement syndrome is is a derangement is what i'm trying to say i mean this Putina thing well what are we supposed to think this one this one last this one lady she pulled this all off i don't think so not a big deal He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. We've got a call in now from Judy Ann in Ridge, New York. Hey, Judy Ann. Hi. Congratulations on your show, Buck. It's wonderful. Oh, you mean rising? Thank you so much. Yeah, it's terrific. I'm so glad. You know, I I listened to Rush from 12 to 3, and you're one of my favorite guest hosts. And, um... There was a blind spot after 6 o'clock, and you just filled it perfectly. Thank you. Well, thank you. (laughs) I wanted to tell you that, you know, I've been reluctantly became involved in politics some years ago. And I actually um, founded and created and organized for a Tea Party group out on the East End. (coughs) Excuse me. The day Trump came down that elevator... He had me at hello. He really did. Because it sounds odd to say, but the eight years of Obama was a necessary pain for this country to wake people up. It freed the left to openly show what they've been doing covertly all these years. Now along comes President Trump, who's actually liberated the elitist betrayers in the GOP, who have been stabbing us in the back for years. So now we know who all our enemies are. We know who we have to fight and what we're fighting. And you know that's the, the biggest um, advantage when you have to go into combat, and this is combat. We're, we're fighting for the life of our country. And so you- we know who we're fighting against and what we're fighting now. How happy would you say you are up to this point, Judy Ann, with, with 
Trump as president with what he's done so far? I'm thrilled. Lightning speed. You know, they can't keep up with him. They can't. You even I pay a lot of attention and I miss so much. There's a site that I discovered, um, megapill.com. Just the first 500 days, it blows you away. I've never, no president has ever done this much in 500 days, ever. And, 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 and yet they're sitting here and they're, they're every, every word, Judy Ann, they're trying to pick apart every action, every utterance, everything they can do, the media no can do to. to it. I'm to, absolutely tuning them out. Yeah. Tuning well. them out. They are literally standing and waiting to jump on every syllable. No, I'm not. Well, well Judy, Judy and they want it. you to know, though, that they that they're nonpartisan and they're just bringing you the facts, of course. So that's <laughs> important. Yeah, I know. I feel the same way. Judy, right. thanks for calling in from New York. I appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words about uh, about rising. So I, I mentioned this before, and I did want to get to it uh, before I get into a whole bunch of other things we've got to talk about. And, th- and that is uh, that in San Francisco, now yesterday we talked about San Francisco because of all the poop. Look, I'm just I'm saying there's poop on the streets everywhere. According to the mayor, it's not like, I'm not making it up. A lot of, a lot of defecation going on in public. Not good. And you see, liberalism, if left to its, left to its own devices, can destroy any city. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter, uh, you know, how, Wealthy it is, doesn't matter, you know, liberalism can destroy a city. Um, and liberalism run amok. What you got in San Francisco now, it's, this is really interesting, is that uh, it is the, I think it's the first city in the country, and Producer Mike, let me know if this is not the case, but I think it's the first city in the country where you have um, illegal aliens being, and notice how that word, it sounds, oh, Buck, it sounds so hateful. Why do you say that? That is the term in the federal U.S. code, okay? According to the law, if you are in the United States without legal status, you are called an illegal alien. It's not a meanness thing. It's a, an accuracy thing. Sure as heck, I'm not going to be an undocumented immigrant. You know, that's just, what a pile of garbage uh but in san francisco now they're they're registering non-citizens to vote for the school board now you may say to yourself okay well you know buck how important is that really now some of you are gonna be the buck actually the school board matters a lot to me and that's fine i i don't i don't have kids i don't really know about these things uh but don't think for a second i know you already know where this is going right it's not gonna stop at that Once you get people registered to vote for one thing, then the impetus becomes, then the push becomes, get them to vote for all things, right? This is very Alinsky. Once you mobilize people around one topic, you've got them mobilized for any other topic that you put before them. So it's all about get them energized, excited, mobilized, angry, and then you can use them for your own Machiavellian, Alinsky-esque purposes. Right. Well, once you've got people who are illegal aliens who are uh, actively engaged in the process of voting, guess what? Then it starts to become more conversational. Why can't they vote for everything? And why can't, you know, and at some point we have to face the reality that, that Democrats are in favor of illegal immigration. 
It's not that they tolerate it. You know, the, the, the game has changed very much now. It's not that illegal immigration is a is an unwanted side effect of our trade policies with Mexico or, you know, it, it, they've been telling all this time. Oh, we just can't stop everybody. Oh, it's just about the dreamers. Oh, it's no, no, no. The Democratic Party now is for all intents and purposes in favor of illegal immigration. They're in favor of illegal aliens being in the United States and more coming into the United States. So what you have is one of the two major political parties in this country that are really advocating for and having a hand in assisting a massive conspiracy to undermine the rule of law, which is what which is what's going on. And they don't they don't want to talk about it that way. They certainly don't see it that way. But that is the reality. That is what is happening. And I find this very troubling. And I think that San Francisco is giving votes to legal aliens. By the way, I wonder, what are they going to say now? You know, what if the federal government wants to take a peek at, you know, get, um, oh, they're never going to allow that, right? Oh, well, you know, who's, who's how's that going to go? Uh, I, I think this is, you know, California, in a sense, it's a shame because California is such a beautiful place and has so much going for it. But we get to see unrestrained liberalism really, uh, play out, really play out in, in one state. And I, I hope that the country pays enough attention so that we won't make all the same mistakes. Although you do have California residents fleeing. They're going to Austin. They're going to Nevada. They're going to you know, California residents. are like, oh, my gosh, the taxes and everything's too high. I hope the ones who are fleeing California are not bringing their political beliefs with them everywhere they go, you know, or not bringing liberal political beliefs, I should say, with them everywhere they go. I hope they're like, oh, gosh. We got out of that crazy craziness. You know, now we're happy to be in a state that doesn't tax you into oblivion, that doesn't make it impossible to run a business, that doesn't have cities that have vagrancy policies now that turn sidewalks into open sewers. You know, we we've done a lot. You know, I was just telling the guys uh, that I work with the other day here uh here on Rising, I was talking to the crew. I was sharing some stories from back in the day, some of my travels, some of the places I've been, and I said, "You know, if you take me to, it has to be an inhabited area, right? It can't just be in the middle of nowhere. But if you take me to an inhabited area, you can tell, it doesn't matter where it is in the world, you can tell pretty much right away if you're in a truly third world country based on one thing and one thing only. Trash. Is there trash everywhere? Do they just throw their garbage on the floor, throw their garbage out in the street? It's, you know sort of shredded plastic bags everywhere is is that in you know that's a, a real signifier of a of much broader dysfunction in society right because think about what, what that does to your psyche and also the cleanliness factor and the you know the uh, sanitariness of or lack of sanitary conditions garbage and, and so that's why when you see in some of these places they're having problems that are very third world-esque you think to yourself it's like the, the liberalism forgets so much of what we have learned in not just America, but in Western civilization. They want to throw this. They want to put this aside. They're so concerned with the environment. And yet they're letting cities get turned into open air sewers because of their other political sensitivities that they have. Right. So we'll see. We'll see if it's I don't think it's going to stop. But just voting for the school board, folks. I don't think so.
Um, I, I'd be willing to bet that there's going to be more craziness coming your way via San Francisco uh, and, and California politicians very, very soon. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, the rescue of those uh, those Thai students the next hour with the Navy SEAL. i got a whole lot more show planned, team, so stay right there. The moment his words came out of his mouth, I was like, this guy's full of I want to buy a gun. Like that, talking like that. And I just kept looking at the guy, and I was like, you're Borat. Soon as I said that, his eyes just looked at me like, and he did a B-turn right out the door. Turns out that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, who is going around, he's particularly targeting, you know, this, is, this is kind of the old gag, right? It's the same thing with Michael Moore and, and uh, you know, bowling for Columbine, right? He's doing a send-up of guns in America and gun culture and all this other stuff. Well, it turns out that uh, Sasha Cohen walked into a, oh, do I have to say three names? You know, I complained about hyphenated names the other day. Do I have to say three names now? You know, don't we have a, a kind of a standard practice in this country of first name, last name, you know, first name, one name, first name, one name, last name. I feel like it's not that hard. Uh, people make things complicated anyway. Uh, so Sasha Cohen showed up a while. This was a while ago. Uh, was, gosh, it was over. Uh, what was over a year ago. But now they've just figured out what was going on. Uh, because they've released this movie. So he's been going around. He's the Borat. My name is Borat. You, know, you all know that stuff. He's been going around doing these uh, you know, undercover video where he you know, pretends to be this character and he does this whole send up and he mocks people and everything else. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it's so interesting how he won't. I, from what I've seen, he's not picking any targets that will anger the left. He did get Bernie Sanders. And I, I will change my tune on this if need be. He did get Bernie Sanders to sit down for an interview, but it wasn't, it was just about Bernie Sanders. It wasn't, hey, you know, you want free everything. That's idiotic. Let's make fun of you for that now. Uh, but yeah, so Cohen walked into this Riverside, California gun store and they they had video of him and they, they, they got him right away. He says, he comes in off the bat. You can see, I'm looking like the guy does not look like a Hungarian immigrant. He's wearing tight leather pants. He's got a beard. It just didn't fit. And the guy, and then words came out of his mouth. I'm like, this guy's full of it. You know, gun store owners, they get used to having to, cause they, they get held uh, liable, right? I mean, they have to run the background checks, but also if they think someone's a straw purchaser. You know, there's a whole, uh, there are all these components of them having to pay attention to who they're selling guns to. I believe they can deny, they can deny a sale for a whole bunch of different reasons. Uh, but they deny one to Sasha Baron Cohen. I would also just note, that with his, like, what is America uh, show, it only got, from what I saw, 300,000 uh, 300, views on Showtime, which, for a show that they've worked so long on and everything else, that is not, uh, that is not good. <laughs> that is not what they were expecting. So, you know, it, comedy, you know, it has its time. Uh, it, it has its time. And, and then when you're, when you're past it, some people, they, they never really regain it. And I just think, uh, you know, I, I think that this is, I don't think he's ever going to be as good as the Borat days, folks. What I'm trying to say, we will crush them. Uh, I think that's probably all gone and I'm going to have to check this out now. I'm going to give myself a little homework here. I'm going to have to check this out and watch and see if I like it. Um, because I'm talking about it on air and you know, he made, did this whole thing about guns for toddlers. And so people are really fixated on 
who who he managed to nab. We had Matt Getz on my Congressman Getz. Uh, sorry, Getz Gates. Uh, Congressman Gates on my show uh, today on Rising in the morning, and and Sasha Baron Cohen tried to tried to fool him, and he was like, "Nah, man, not not buying it, not having it." So. You know, the gag doesn't work on everybody. That's the thing about these shows where they do these, you know, hidden camera undercover. They don't show you all the people that are not fooled by it. You only see the people that are fooled by it. Uh, and I mentioned Bowling for Columbine before, too. Liberals think that they can just go, kind of go back to the well on the same political themes over and over again. Because they, they do have a, uh, a, a fixation on certain subject matter. We also had Rob Reiner on The Rising Show recently. He's, he's a liberal filmmaker. And and he made this movie Shock and Awe, which just came out like a last week or two. And I asked him about it when he was on our on our show Rising Hill TV. For those of you who want to check it out, uh, and, and I asked him, and I remember thinking to myself, Why would you make this? You're making a movie about how they got the WMD thing wrong. Now there've been there've already been a bunch of movies about this. All those movies stunk. Why make this movie now? Like just gonna pile on to the Bush administration just cause? Well, the market has spoken. I think, producer Mike, I think it made $30,000 in its opening weekend. That's 30000 <laughs> which is, for a movie that has stars that some of you will definitely, uh, would definitely recognize, that is what you call a massive bomb. A, a bomb of all bombs. Uh, the, the mother of all bombs of a movie, I think you could say. Um, yeah, you're very close, by the way. Forty-one thousand, they're saying. I'm sorry, forty-one thousand. They terrible. got a few. Yeah, dude, think about that, Mike. We could make a movie with you and me drinking at a bar and talking to strangers, and I think we could make forty grand off that movie. I really do. Yeah, it's because it'll be know? hilarious. It, was, our, 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 it would be amazing, yeah. of course. I mean, it would probably there'd have to be a sequel and there'd be a series. And, yeah, but I'm just saying that that's you know, liberals amazing to me. Some of the stuff they think will be good. I will I will give credit where it's due, as always, though. Miss Molly and I last weekend watched A Quiet Place, which uh, has the guy from The Office. I forget his name. Um, he's like, a, I think his name's like Polish. You know, he plays Jim in The Office. Yeah, John Krasinski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Krasinski's Polish, isn't it? Yeah, John Krasinski. Thank you. Brandon caught my back there. Um, he is... Uh, it's a good movie for if you want like kind of a horror movie with an interesting premise. It's pretty eerie. It's pretty well done. I gotta say, it was it's a good Friday popcorn flick. In my case, it was uh, uh, pizza that Miss Molly Miss Molly makes amazing gluten free pizza. It just for me, it's like that's that's yeah because I never get to eat pizza really, especially in D.C. The gluten free scene here is whack. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I will recommend a quiet place to you. It's a pretty, it's look, it's not going to change your life, but it's a pretty entertaining, pretty good movie for what it is. It's got some good stuff in it real quick. Hey, real, do you know what, uh, Krasinski is playing, uh, this summer? No, he's in, uh, he's going to be playing Jack Ryan in the uh, Amazon series. Oh, look yeah. at action hero now from yeah. Jim in the office to action hero. Wow. Who knew? Well, there we go. All right, team. we got a big third hour coming up. Uh, stay right there. When he kind of backtracked those statements today, did that surprise you? Well, he did get some Republican backlash on that, and I think they just didn't hear the whole story before they started coming after him. Some voters in red states are praising Mr. Trump's approach to Russian President Vladimir Putin. What they've been doing in years past, being enemies with him and just not talking to him or anything, hasn't worked. 
So why not try something new? In Kenosha, Wisconsin, a county that flipped from blue to red in 2016, many here say the president is still their guy. I'm totally in support of him. And why? Why are you still supporting him? Because he's an entrepreneur. He's a businessman, working class person's president. He's trying to make this country great again. Do you support the president? Yes. Do you continue to support him despite yes. this week? Yes. So that that's from a Today Show, and and I got to tell you, look, the, the, I'm I'm a little bit of mixed emotions on this, right, or mixed feelings, because on the one hand, I'm glad that at least the Today Show is asking normal people what they think, you know, and I know this is man in the street, it's an old gag that people do, and I mean not gag, but it's an old ploy thing that people do in the news media all the time. But I, I do want to encourage them to talk to Trump voters and not just think that Trump voters are all sitting around picking lint out of their belly buttons, talking about NASCAR and running around in Confederate flag boxers or something. Because, you know, there really is this stereotype in the minds of, of much of the uh, mainstream media about Trump voters. Uh, and, and they're pretty nasty about the stereotype, too. They don't even keep it to themselves particularly. Uh, but, but you can kind of tell the way they're asked these questions. Like, wait, like, do you, like, still support Trump? Like, you still think that he's, like, like a good president? Like, like for real? Like I just after this week, it's like, yeah, after this week. I mean, I know this is kind of a theme of the show today, but what exactly happened this week, folks? What 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 changed in America? What changed in world history that uh, you know, can't put the toothpaste back in the bottle now? Mm, I can't think of anything. You know? Yeah, the president, you know, he he uh I have to I have to admit Tucker Carlson scalded his his uh Apology, a hostage video. Very well played. That's very true. It was, it was kind of a hostage video. Uh, but he said, all right, fine. So I said some stuff I shouldn't have said in the meeting about some things. Whatever. You know, he, he's still, there's just this understanding out there among people that voted for the president. And so, look, some of you got mad at me this week. I, I saw the messages. Uh, maybe I'll even read some on the air later saying I, I, was, I wasn't being hard enough on the president for it. I didn't say it was a good press conference. I'm just saying it doesn't really matter. What matters is, yeah, the closed door, what he said to Putin and all that, uh, that can matter, right? The policies matter. Decisions that you make as president matters. But, you know, whether you, I don't know, you know, he just, they want him to genuflect before the intelligence community. They want Trump to bend the knee and say, yeah, sure, Brennan and Comey and all the rest of them, they're so smart and they were right. And he just doesn't want to do it. And I, I understand that. Uh, but... Anyway, I just think they're doing these other street interviews. They're like, wait, you're sticking. You're like sticking with Trump. I just don't understand. Yeah. What's the alternative? Ocasio-Cortez, who clearly knows nothing and brags about how erudite she is with her economics degree on Twitter, which, you know, you never want to go there. Right. You never want to be the person that's like, well, I'm, you know, my library smells of rich mahogany. I'm very fancy and smart and educated. You know, you, you don't want to go there. And if you do go there, you better be darn sure that you know what you're talking about and, and you know what you're doing. You know, it better not be a situation where you say things like, yeah, like I think unemployment's so low because people have two jobs. It's not accurate. That is not why unemployment is so low. Uh, Anyway, there's a little more with uh, with the Today Show. Hoda Kotb, am I saying that right, Producer Mike? I don't. I never watch these shows, so I don't know these things. I don't watch Hoda, either. But yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. Producer Mike, come on. 
You don't sit there with a glass of rosé sometimes and watch. I know your schedule. You know, you, you know, you, you don't ever watch the Today Show? Glass yeah, of rosé. Yeah, yeah. Me, Kathy Lee, Hopa. Hope, oh, <laughs> see, I can't even say her name. Hopa, yeah. I'm calling her. Hopa. Yeah. Yeah, no. Producer Mike doesn't watch it either. Um, anyway, Hoda, Hoda Kotib. I, I do see they've got, uh, Kathy, they've got like the big glasses of wine sometimes, which is fun, uh, at 10 a.m. or whatever it is. Uh, but they uh, they were concerned, or rather, they 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 wanted to make sure that their concern was mirrored by other people. Um, in terms of the president this week, you know, this is you can tell it's like after this, what, what the media thinks was their great stand. You know that scene in the beginning of the Lord of the Rings, or maybe it's not really the beginning, but there's that scene where it's like the ancient battle and and Mordor and the mountain and elves and Sauron. And it's all like, and it's like the, a battle to save the world. It really is. Uh, you know, there was elements of obviously a lot of elements of Western European and and Christian uh, Western European history, Christian theology, but also uh, Norse mythology comes into the Lord of the Rings trilogy in a lot of ways, and and it's kind of a Ragnarok, you know, end of the world battle thing. But the media feels like they've had their end end of days fight against Trump this week with his whole press conference, and uh, you can tell they're surveying the battlefield afterwards. Like, gosh, like. Is everybody okay? And everyone's kind of like, yeah, we're fine, actually. Yeah, it's not not a big deal. It's all going to be okay. Are you okay, media? Because we're fine. But anyway, here's more of this in the Today Show. Play 17. Morgan, you talked to those people, obviously. They weren't concerned with the backlash, but were they concerned with the Republican backlash against the president? They were not, Hoda. In fact, they doubled down because they said their allegiance is to the president. In fact, they said they were upset with their elected officials because they feel like they were not getting the job they were sent there to do. They weren't completing it because they weren't standing behind the president 100%. Yeah, you you notice how you had all these Republicans that just immediately jumped on the anti-Trump bandwagon with this thing. And here, here's what I'd say, okay? And I, and I know that, you know, look, I, I, some, of, some of the folks listening to the show were mad at me this week. You're allowed to be mad at me. It's fine. One or two even said, you know, they're going to take a hiatus from the HUD. I'm like, well, I mean, it is the best show on radio, but if you would like to take a hiatus, that's up to you. Uh, you know, I, I just thought to myself, why can't Republicans, if they have such a big problem, if they're really so deeply in and irrevocably concerned. Oh, my gosh, I'm so concerned. And they're so concerned about how badly the press conference went. Why release public statements and, and go and get out in the media and just pile on? Why not reach out to the president, person to person, man to man, and say, you know, you know, President Trump, I really feel like you didn't represent us the way that you should have there, and I think it's worth you clarifying. You know, if enough people did that, especially people the president respects, I think that he would he may certainly be willing to listen. I mean, I, I don't know if it would change his mind. But instead, there's just, you know, Republicans have this problem with unif- with having a unified front. You know, we, we think people say, oh, well, they're all behind the president. Well, they're kind of all behind the president. And the GOP's behind this president until things get tough, until there's heat. And then all of a sudden, when the heat gets turned up a little bit, when there's a problem with how... The president speaks about something or, you know, then you get all these people. Oh, no, I don't like Trump. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not pro Trump. Oh, no, no, not not me. No way. No. You think to yourself, it just you don't see this with Democrats. I look, I think it's important that you point out what the other side does well and, you know, admire the enemy's strengths and try to learn and steal from them when you can. And you never had them break. You never. 
never had Democrats breaking ranks publicly with Obama on anything of substance, of anything of importance. You know, yeah, they would, you know, like I said, they would, well, it's, you know, some of the White House. It was never Obama. It was always, you know, some of what the White House has been up to. I, I have concerns, you know. I have concerns. A lot of them were real tough on, oh, we want single payer after Obamacare went through. Then they're like, well, you know, I really wish we had single payer. But, ah, uh, man, it, it just gets, it just gets so frustrating after a while. It really does, you know. And the, you know what it is? The, the, the Dersh, the Dersh, he stumbled onto it today. He said that, you know, you got to remember this, and I've been saying this for a long time. Uh, some of the most anti-Trump people out there are, in fact, Republicans. Play clip 12. It is centrist Republicans that hate Trump the most. And a lot of the effort to try to get Trump has been done by Republicans or in Mueller's case, ex-Republicans. So don't let anybody be fooled by the notion that just because these are Republicans, it doesn't show that it's a fair process. You have to judge for yourself whether it's a fair process. But the fact that Republicans are behind it, Republicans like Mueller, who quickly switched to become uh, Democrats, demonstrates that this is not about whether or not it's a Republican who's going after him or a Democrat. You have to judge the process by its inherent fairness. And for me, there have been a lot of unfair aspects of this process. This is so important. And Dersh, totally right. I've been saying it, too. You've been hearing this talking point, this dishonest talking point from the media about, how, oh, Mueller's a Republican, Comey's a Republican. People would say this all the time. I get this on Twitter from, you know, all kinds of ugh, CNN people and others. Uh, and, and I'd say... Republicans hate Trump more than anybody else. Republicans feel like, you know, Trump has stolen all their thunder. And and the most anti-Trump people you come, the most psychotically anti-Trump people in many cases are former Republicans, former Bush people, too. And you get somebody like Comey out there. He tweets out today, quote, this Republican Congress has proven incapable of fulfilling the founders designs that ambition must counteract ambition. All who believe in this country's values must vote Democrat this fall. Policy differences don't matter right now. History has its eyes on us. Oh, what a shock. Oh, you mean Comey's really a Democrat? Oh, what a surprise, folks. That's what you are. When when you're saying vote for Democrats, just party line, you are a Democrat. How many months did we hear, oh, Comey's a Republican? That was like some sort of argument ender, mic drop. Mueller's a Republican. Comey's a Republican. Yeah, please. First of all, some of them changed their party affiliation many, many years ago. Second of all, it doesn't mean anything. They're anti-Trump. They want to take this president down. And some of us have seen this for what it was the whole time. Some of us haven't been, had the, had the wool pulled over our eyes on this one. But Comey just came out today and just made it clear for everybody that he's a Comeyist first and foremost, but he's just a giant, sanctimonious, sancticomey fraud. <sighs> Glad I got that on my system. Let's talk about... Cave diving and rescues with a Navy SEAL. That's coming up. Listen, you have animals digging under your fence. I know they can get a lot of energy all pent up while you're gone. Then you finally get home. You kick open the back door. You get some sunshine in. You get some fresh air. The dogs go wild. But guess what? They can dig under your fence. And dogs like to dig. It's just in their genes. It's what they do, right? How do you stop them? You've probably tried a whole bunch of different things. It's not going to work. I've got the solution for you. Dig defense no more chasing fido as he runs around the backyard and tries to dig dig defense make sure that your fence's protection is extended underground right and all you have to do is use a hammer and gloves to install it yourself you can make sure there's not a problem you'll ever deal with again stop the dig now with dig defense it's available online at lowe's tractor supply 
Menards, Wayfair, and StopTheDig.com. And now, just for the month of July, visit StopTheDig.com and use promo code BUCK, that's B-U-C-K, for 10% off. Again, StopTheDig.com, and please do type in promo code BUCK. It'll get you 10% off. StopTheDig.com. All 12 Thai boys and their coach have now been rescued after 17 days underground. They escaped from the dark tunnel complex with the help of Thai Navy SEALs and diving experts from around the world. The boys are said to be in high spirits and are currently being checked out by healthcare professionals. It could be at least seven days before they can be released from hospital. Seems like something of a miracle, folks, but that entire team, the Wild Boars, a a soccer team of of young uh, boys in Thailand with their coach that decided to take a a walk into some caves and all of a sudden the water went up and they got stuck in there. They survived by licking condensation off of stalactites in total darkness. It's an incredible story. They all made it out. They all survived. But how does this kind of a rescue operation go? And what are some of the pitfalls? In fact, a Thai Navy SEAL died trying to save these kids. So why was this so hard? We've got somebody who can answer that and a whole lot more with us. Uh, Sean Matson is is joining us on the show. He is a former Navy SEAL and also president of Strike Force Energy, which many of you will know as a sponsor of the show and also one of the things that literally keeps me going day in and day out for the show. Sean, great to have you on. Hi, thanks, Buck. Appreciate the time. So for, let's just start with this. You know, people would think you're in a cave complex. Why would this be so difficult? You got highly trained divers from all over the world who are helping you out here. What are some of the things you have to deal with when you're talking about a, a rescue dive in these kinds of conditions? Something that you're familiar with, you were trained to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the biggest thing is that you have to think about uh, think about this. Put you know in a dark room, turn everything off, lights out. Uh, you can't see anything can't really uh, move around. You're in a confined space. Think of like underneath your bed or in a closet, something like that. Now you add water. Now you add your cold because uh, in there, you know, you're wet. Even though it could be 100 degrees outside, you're, you're, in, the, you're in the earth. It's cold in there, um, you know, very difficult to see things. And, and, and you're a little bit scared, too, uh, you know, for these guys that have never been exposed to any of this. And so, I mean, it, it adds a huge level of complexity. And that's why, you know, for, you know, Navy SEALs across the world for training, that it's always the equalizer. Water is always an equalizer. Do you guys do dives into, I mean, to, to, to deal with these kind of low light situations? And would you go into, you know, the hulls of wrecked ships? Did you do some cave explain you know, cave diving as part of this too i mean what were some of the things you guys do to, to train for these kinds of rescue situations so no um there are guys the, the there are specific uh divers within the seals so um uh they they actually get further training on that to to go do these situations but your your generic uh seal um you know does not go through those they have to actually say, yep, I, I want to actually go learn to go do more of these type of uh, missions and these type of operations. Uh, and they're mainly found in Hawaii. And we have a small team here in, in Virginia Beach or, or did that they focus in on those uh, diving type operations. But again, um, think about, you know, it's, it's completely pitch, pitch black. It's very easy to get vertigo when you're underwater. Everything's moving around you, the silt and things. You have no idea. You lose, lose a lot of your, you know, senses and, um, you know, you're, it's dark and could be a little scary. And you don't have any comms, right? I mean, there's no, 
<laughs> no, there's definitely no calm. Um, now, now in some of that on, on some of these rescue missions and things like that, these guys do have um, hats where they can actually communicate back to surface. Um, but, you know, between guys, it's very difficult. Uh, I actually posted a video on, um, uh, on our Twitter page uh, uh, specifically about cave diving to just give people a reference. I mean, you're crawling on your belly in water with tanks. Sometimes you have to tank the tank off slide that through, like slide left and right to make it through some of these portions of caves and when you're cave diving. And again, it's just, if you're claustrophobic at all, you can forget it when you're underwater because it just uh, magnifies that uh, significantly. Now, Sean, you were a SEAL with, with five combat deployments, and now you are running a, a rapidly growing company that is is kind enough to uh, join us here in the Freedom Hut and, and one of our one of our excellent sponsors, with Strikeforce Energy, uh, but but one part of the of what you're doing that I think folks at home would really like to hear about is y- you are doing a give back program where you're sending energy to people's energy drink Strikeforce to people downrange all over the world. Can you tell us how long you've been doing this and and what have you been doing? So we just started the campaign during the summer. The summer is the fighting season uh, for you know our our fighting soldiers downrange. Um, the enemy. They they come out of their holes. It's fighting season. It's warmer. They're ready to take it to uh, take it to us. And uh, so what we wanted to do was partner um, with you guys and offer this amazing campaign where uh, if they uh, anyone listening goes on to strikeforceenergy.com and puts in the promo code uh, Buck, we will match that order one for one. So if you order ten dollars worth of product, we're gonna we're gonna donate ten dollars worth of product back to the guys downrange, and then we're shipping pallets of this stuff uh, to Iraq, Afghanistan, Africa, um, and to keep them fueled during those fighting seasons. That's fantastic. Well, you guys all heard it there, uh, and and Sean, uh, we first of all appreciate your service and uh, and best of luck with Strike Force. We're going to continue getting folks here from the Freedom Hunt to, to try and check it out. And I told Sean right before he came on air, we got the interns here at the Hill. They're fueled <laughs> by Strike Force, but they walk around. And they only say it Strike Force. <laughs> That's the way they say it. So. I feel like we got. I got to get a, a video of these kids and put them on Instagram. They're kids. They're like twenty five. But anyway, put them on Instagram yeah. and, uh, and and let them tell you about Strike Force themselves. Anyway, Sean, thank you so much for joining us, man. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Buck. Appreciate it. All right, team. Uh, we got a whole lot more, including some roll call, which is going to be coming your way, which you know is always exciting. So eight four four nine hundred two eight two five. You want to chat eight four four nine hundred Buck. We'll be right back. Can we rewrite the Constitution and have another president take over right now? Uh, look, at this is uh, the distortion of in daily life in American politics is beyond the realm. And thankfully, former President Obama pointed out a couple of the realities that we all live under right now. There you have Barnacle over at MSNBC. You know, rewrite the Constitution, have another president take over right now, man. You know, you know what the real problem is, folks. I, I keep saying it, and it's not just that they have people who are on TV who are not insightful, intellectually incurious, and not worth your time. Because there's a lot of that. Promise you that. Lots of that going on. But also, they don't really have a compelling pitch. This is something we will return to here on the show. But they do not have a compelling pitch as to why you should put the Democrats in office. They keep telling us that. Something terrible. Oh, my gosh, something terrible is going to happen. Oh, it's so terrible. And then we live through the period of the terrible. And we realize, no, everything's actually fine. 
N nothing bad happened. Nobody was harmed. Nothing terrible went down. Uh, there, there is nothing about the media at this point that can be taken seriously because they, they are truly and utterly in another place, in another headspace. Uh, and, and they seem to think that if they just continue to double down on the same tired narratives and the same nonsense all the time, uh, then they should be in a position where, you know, eventually we'll just get tired of it and we'll go along with it, right? And we'll say, you know what? We don't really want Trump to be president anymore. You know what? Rewrite the Constitution, as Barnacle says here. Do anything. Doesn't matter. You know, the same people that are always oh, undermining our institutions, then they're like, you know, maybe the Constitution's really old and we shouldn't pay attention to it anymore. There's no principles here. There, there's nothing uh, that they lean on other than just their own desire, their own whim, their own sense of, well, this is what I want, and I want it now. Uh, by the way, speaking of MSNBC, they also, you know, they, they just, this was just kind of funny. They couldn't even just get into the MLB All-Star game without somehow getting into uh, politics. Play the clip, please. Um, can we talk quickly about the second half of the season? Red Sox up four and a half on the Yankees. And yes, we're going to be ALE centric here because that's the best division of baseball. What does the second half of the season look like? You know, the second half of the season, my God, Willie, we have never needed baseball more. <laughs> we needed to take our minds off the daily developments in Washington, the scandalous developments in Washington from the office. We need baseball. We need, we need to be in the thick of a pennant race, Red Sox, Yankees. You know, no, no, notice how <laughs> at MSNBC, they can't even say, yeah, we need baseball to take our mind off of politics. It's, we need baseball to take our mind off of the, like how terrible the Republicans are. It's basically the vibe, you know. So they're talking about not making, you know, not having to think about politics for a moment. And sure enough, their mind switches to politics. You know, someone asked me about this today. Uh, I had a I had a work phone call before. Um uh, and, you know, somebody asked me and, and they said, uh, you know, what do you think about, uh, this guy who has, you know, I don't watch baseball. I know, I know I'm a bad person. I don't watch baseball. I don't know anything about baseball. And I don't know. Uh, I just, guys, I just think it takes forever. I wish I could like it. I really do. You know, I, it's not that I, I, I don't, I don't actively hate baseball the way I actively hate ice hockey. I'm just going to be honest with you, you know? Um, I'm just going to be honest with you. So, you know, but with baseball, it's just, for me, it's a little too slow. Look, I love football. I love basketball. I, you know, there's a lot of sports. I love tennis, a lot of sports that I love, but I, I just can't get as excited about baseball. But anyway, somebody asked me about this guy, um, hater. And I, I, I immediately thought, I thought, I thought they're talking about him being a hater. Cause as you see that, you see that haters racist messages, and I was like, wait. And then it, then I had to figure out, oh, you mean the guy's name is Hader? Producer Mike, do you know about this? I do. What 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 happened with this guy? Uh, he allegedly made some tweets when he was in high school. Um, I didn't read all of them, but they're apparently pretty racist, sexist. Um, and he was called oh, out man. on it after the game last night. Man, they and they, they went up to him in the dugout and, and went to him. He's 22 years old. And they went up to him about his his, his racist tweets from when he's seventeen, huh? Yeah, uh, right after the game, right in the clubhouse. But you can imagine someone's like, "What do you think of haters' tweets?" I'm like, "Wow, they're already already just calling him hater." Um, yeah, I mean, look, moral of story number one: don't say racist stuff. Moral of story number two: uh, man, 
you know, kids, I do not think kids should be out there on all this social media stuff and with all the videos. I, I just think it's asking for trouble later on in life. I mean, moral number one, don't be racist, but I just mean in general. You know, this stuff is going to come back to haunt people in all kinds of ways. I'm glad they didn't have any of that when I was a kid, just because, you know, you don't really want to see video of yourself when you're 19 taking, taking uh, you know, keg stands or anything. Or maybe you do. I don't know. All right, here, we got roll call coming up. Stay with me, team. The show ain't over yet, folks. Keeping it real. It's time for roll call. I just want to go to a jazz club right now. Whenever I hear that roll call, I get so excited. Get in the mood. Get in the, get in the music going. Oh, man. You know, when I lived in D.C. originally, gosh, 10 years ago? No, 13 years ago. My gosh, I'm getting old. Uh, there was a jazz club that we used to go to, and it was considered kind of on the wrong side of the tracks, if you know what I mean, in terms of neighborhood safety issues. And And now that I'm here, it's like... It, it's basically it's basically inside a Whole Foods. Like it, it might as well be a wing of a Whole Foods. Like this city is, it's amazing how gentrification happens and how rapid it is. All right, you don't care about that. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. You know how we do. You know how we roll with the roll call. Love hearing from all of you. Official team Buck at gmail.com if you want to go that route. Let's get to it. Erica writes, uh, Mexico could get even worse, Buck. It is truly sad. Mexico should be one of the very best places to live. They have natural resources, a strong work ethic, and respect for education. Family bond is important, even for the extended family. That is completely lost in many other Western countries. But Mexico is being destroyed by crime and violence. You don't get a stable society and prosperity when working hard and growing richer, plus a kidnapping price uh, on your kids' heads. Also, I need to know the name of the park with the homeless camp in D.C., you can replay rather than answering on air if you need to protect the location of your TV studio. No, Erica, it's fine. It's um, McPherson Square Park. So there you go. Uh, it's right in, it's blocks from the White House, right in downtown. In fact, I saw park police turning out a guy's backpack uh, yesterday as I was walking out of the studio on my way home. And the guy had a lot of weed in there. And I feel like weed is decriminalized in D.C., but maybe it's not. I don't know. Anyway, I feel kind of bad for the guy. I'm like, oh, man, is he going to get arrested? You know, this guy's just smoking a little weed. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, that's the park, McPherson Square Park here in D.C. Next up, we have Yolanda, who writes, In the midst of the Cold War, Barack Obama's mother enrolled in a Russian language class where she met Barack Obama Sr. I'd like to see the left spin on that fact. Um, well, I'm sure they would say, first of all, I don't know if this is true or not. I'd never heard that before. So if that is true, then that is an interesting fact, Yolanda, that you have taught me. Uh, but then again, I was studying Arabic before 9-11 and it's not because I'm sympathetic to jihadis. It's because I wanted to know more about them so I could find them. And well, I actually, originally I was, I wanted to learn Arabic because I thought it would be useful for conducting business, maybe, you know, energy business in the Middle East. That was kind of the, the initial impetus. And uh, then 9-11 happened on my second week of Arabic class, actually. 
I'd just been in Arabic for two weeks. Uh, and I, I just remember, oof, I remember that whole day. We'll talk about that another time. Ken writes, Buck, do you think a secondary and clandestine purpose of Mueller's investigation is to unearth and quash any incriminating evidence against Democrats, specifically Obama's and Hillary's business? Hmm. You know, Ken, it's a really interesting question. I do think that for some of the deep state folks, they really do feel like this is a race against the clock because they know that if the Democrats take over the House, they will there'll be no real there'll be no real chance to get to the bottom of all this. There'll be no real transparency on the either the Hillary email investigation or the Russia collusion investigation, which is the one that's requires a lot more effort and and interest right now. So that's, uh, I believe that's the case, Ken. Is this, is the Mueller investigation to stop people from finding out about Hillary's businesses? I think that's maybe, I think that's probably a stretch. I don't, I don't see that as, I'll say it this way, I don't see that as likely, but I can't say it's impossible. But I do think that there's a slow roll going on right now, and I think that what you're seeing from, the really hysterical behavior of the Brennans and the Comeys is that they know that at some point, if people find out the truth, they're going to look really bad. And so they're trying to create this perception that Trump is really evil so that if later on we find out that Comey, Brennan, etc., cetera, uh, were unethical and broke their oaths and maybe broke the law in trying to stop Trump from being president or from staying president, that there will be sympathy, public sympathy for them, and they won't actually face any consequences. Remember, folks, you know, if, if a prosecutor won't bring charges, you basically didn't break the law, right? Or, or at least you're, you're not going to pay any consequences for breaking the law, suffer any consequences for breaking the law. And, and if a jury won't convict you, you're not going to suffer the full extent of the consequences of breaking the law. So uh, everything turns into a PR battle very quickly. Joseph. Shields High Buck, loving the new show and the rising. Although I will say I'm a bit disappointed this morning. Uh Uh-oh. My wife has been patiently waiting for a package in the mail for a few months now. She told me this morning she had ordered a Shields High t-shirt for my birthday, which was June 2nd. I guess they are back-ordered. I know you don't control this, but my wife is heartbroken because she knows how much I admire you. Also, how much I would enjoy that shirt. I'm going to try to get a hold of the distributor anyway. Keep up the great work, homie, Joseph. Joseph, I'm writing you right now, my friend. Uh, we will take care of this. Um, there you go. Literally, you're hearing me type to him. Uh, you're hearing me type to him because I, I don't like that. I mean, I, I love that he supports the show. I love that his wife wants to get him a T-shirt. Our, our website is is kind of under construction right now, so I, I don't know if that means that our vendor with the shirts, I got to look into this and find out. Um, but Joseph... You are a, you are a an OSS. You're part of the hut, and you know your wife. It's so sweet that she wanted to give you a T-shirt, and I want I want to make sure we make good on this. So I, I you'll see, he'll see. I just sent him a message, uh, and I will I'll make sure we get you a shirt. Dag nabbit, uh, John. Next up, Buck. I want to bear a commie bear at Build a Bear. You should look into that. Well, John, commie bear is really a Build a Bear that we constructed into something else, that we gave a whole new vibe to. Um, there you go. That, that's, that's what I could say about Commie Bear. We, we made Commie Bear, and 
Yeah. Uh, he, I hope you're enjoying him. He's, he appears now weekly on the on the Freedom Hut podcast. So that's a way for you to, uh, to get to check in. He's going to have a lot to say this week for sure. Also, our guest this week for the Freedom Hut podcast is going to be my old friend Jedediah Bila, everyone. We're just going to talk about things, stuff, you know. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. So please do check out that podcast. Uh, it is a an additional labor of love. And once I get, so I haven't moved all my gear down to D.C., nor has uh, Miss Molly moved hers down, but she's coming down. And once I have all my stuff here, I'll have the ability on the weekends to work on, yes, that's right, Shields High podcasts, and they are coming back. Because people really like them. We, we did, I can tell you, we did very, a lot of folks downloaded those. You know, think like a, a large you know, a large sports stadium completely packed with people would listen to each episode of Shields High. I, I was I was like very happy. I was like, wow. I thought it was gonna be me and like three hundred of my closest buddies listening. Nope. It was uh so so we gotta bring it back. It's just the, the labor involved in it and you know, I like to do it all myself because it's important to me. So as I've as I've said many times before. Uh, but that will come back. And the next episode is gonna be Malta, so that's happening. And then we're gonna have uh, Siege of Vienna. Um, we, we will do a, a more official version of the Vlad Dracul for uh, Halloween this year, but I'm thinking about trying to find, you know, monster history or, or, you know, a real some, something along the lines of Frankenstein. I got to tell you folks, I thought the Frankenstein novel a little disappointing, you know, not, not as all people say it's the greatest novel ever written. I'm like, well, it kind of started the science fiction genre, I guess, but you know, I didn't think it was that great. I don't know. I, I kind of sound like a Philistine for saying that. But, yeah. yeah. Isn't it interesting over history, you've had all these different place names for people that have come to mean, you know, boorish, you know, barbarian-like, whether it's Vandals, you know, a group that made their way across Europe and came to be, you know, we think of vandalism. Vandals were actually a tribe, right? Uh, Cretans. You call someone a Cretan. I actually spent a summer in Crete. Not nice to say, but Crete is kind of the backwater of, of Greece. So Crete is like the uh, kind of hillbilly territory for the Greeks. Uh, Philistine, some people say that too. That's an old biblical reference to, well, now you talk about the Palestinians, but Al Philistine were there when uh, the uh, Israelites showed up. And, and then another one of my favorites is calling something Gothic was originally supposed to be a slur. Gothic architecture, they ugh, it's Gothic. It's supposed to be bad. Because it was the, the old Roman and uh, Eastern Roman was supposed to be way better. All right, I'm nerding out. Let me get to one more here. Julie writes, hi, Buck. I'm a podcast listener, and I'm always a day behind. Uh, I'm looking for the story about the little boy who was five and wrote his own obituary. I'm all choked up. I want to share that to remind people we don't really have much to complain about. Also, I was telling my son that I was going to take his iPod away because he wasn't listening. He then asked me, how would I like it if he didn't let me listen to Buck Sexton? Well played, my son. Well played. Well, first of all, Julie, your son's hilarious. So tell him uh, we, we all said hi from the Freedom Hut. And, and I will, just as I responded to the other gentleman in real time, as soon as uh, I close up the hut, which is going to be in a moment here, I will send you a link to that story. Uh, so you can share it and post it wherever you like. And, and I thought it was very, very moving. Uh, and I, I'm glad that some of you did as well. And I think that one of my favorite parts of what we do here on the show is just we cover a lot of different territory, a lot of different things. I kind of just let curiosity and passion drive the conversation as much as possible every night. So I hope you guys all like it. Thank you so much for being here. 
Uh, we'll have the Freedom Hut podcast out tomorrow. Until then, Shields high.